We remain standing for the reading of God's word. Tonight we are continuing to talk about how we are to receive this gift of love. God's love poured out, not just on the church, not just on an individual, but now, this week and the next few weeks, God's love poured out on the family. Starting tonight with, uh, with God's love poured out in and through men, through husbands. Listen now, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, loved the church, and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Well, let's stop right there. Go ahead and have a seat. As you have a seat, I want to set things up for you a little bit differently tonight. I want to set things up for you with, with a few very clear statements. Here, here they come. God honors husbands. Satan hates husbands. Let me, let me press a little further. God is designed the world to be changed, not just by, but specifically tonight, he wants to change the world through husbands. Satan, I'm just going to be very, very clear. He wants to castrate husbands. God wants husbands and men in particular to be strong leaders full of love. Satan, he wants to make you weak and ineffective. You know, I think about my childhood growing up, and I think about the, the television heroes on, on my TV screen growing up. Now, I asked, I asked some people earlier today, what are the, the main TV shows today? And most of them couldn't name any because I think we live in a world, YouTube world now more and more, and so TV shows aren't quite what they were when I was growing up. But I remember we used to watch, as a family, our family heroes on the screen, usually on Friday nights, Homer Simpson. And then following that, Al Bundy. These were, the, these were the characters put in front of us as this is what a husband is. That if you know the Simpsons, Homer Simpson, he is a fool. <laughs> He's a fool. If you were to watch the show after that when I was a kid, married with children, Al Bundy, he wasn't just a fool, he was a creep. <laughs> he was a godless man. And this is what is dished up to us and fed to us. Men in this room, this is, this is what the world thinks of you. This is, this is the caricature that is used to picture husbands. You're a fool. You're, you're selfish. 
You're worthless. You don't really contribute much to the family. Thank goodness you have a wife that has it together because left on your own, you would barely even survive. Let me, let me say it again. Satan hates husbands. He hates husbands because he hates families. <laughs> I could say the same thing about wives. He hates wives as well, but we'll talk about that next week. Satan hates husbands, but God honors him. God honors him and God honors you. Men in this room, husbands in this room, God honors you. He has given you an incredibly high position. He has given you an incredibly high calling. And it's that calling tonight that I want to share with you about. I want to share with you about your calling. And here's where we're going to begin. My big idea tonight, men in this room, specifically husbands, husbands, you are to truly love your wife. It's that simple, right? Uh, Husbands, (laughs) truly love your wife. But what does it look like to truly love our wife? How do you know how to truly love your wife? Once again, we we have so many messages coming from the world and coming from the culture. We have so many messages coming from the workforce and and coming from our own families growing up. We can become so confused. How do I love my wife? I have all sorts of different examples, all sorts of different pictures, all sorts of different role models. How do you fulfill this instruction to love your wife? Well, that's what I want to show you tonight. Not based on what I think, but based on how God has designed you. Men, here's how you truly can love your wives. So let's open up to the scripture. Will you open up with me to Ephesians chapter 5? I'm going to begin in verse 25. Now, I recognize some of you said, well, Mike, you ended in verse 21 last week. What happened to the verses in between? We're going to return to those next week. But, but as we enter into, these are really, these are the roles in a relationship. These are the roles in marriage, husbands and wives. I recognize that we are, we are entering into what is uh, maybe a, a, a war zone. <laughs> Our culture certainly has ideas about this. I imagine some of the folks in this room have some ideas about this. I, I know when we get to some of the texts about wives and we talk about some some of those trigger words like submission and respect and honor. I know that's going to be difficult for some of us as we wrestle with. But listen, this is God's word. So my approach tonight for this week and next week is first of all, show how God honors and loves husbands and how he wants to pour his love out through you. And then next week, I want to show how God honors and loves wives and how he wants to pour his love and respect out through you. My goal is not to beat anyone up. Sometimes this passage is treated as, a, as a, uh, a stick. My goal is not to tell husbands in this room, if you're not doing a good job, that you're not doing a good job. My job is to paint a picture for you about how God honors you, about God's call upon your life. I, I want to paint a picture that you are compelled to rise up and live into in the most glorious way as a man. And so with that said, Let's begin verse 25. If we are to truly love our wives, men, here's where it begins. You love your wife. Here's here's your first part. You love your wife as Christ loved the church. You love your wife as Christ loved the church. I I love that I just uh, basically take my big ideas right out of the text. Look at verse 25. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. 
Now, some of you guys are thinking this preaching thing, I could probably do this. Mike, he just says what the Bible says, right? He just, just pulls it right out of it. That's, sometimes it's just exactly what we do. Sometimes it just needs to be so clear. This point simply says, you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Now, I want us to remember Christ's love for you. And let's just begin by remembering that Christ's love for the church, it's not built off of how good the church is. I mean, we spent the first few, few months of this year after Easter, we talked about Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3. And if you remember my line in describing that, some of you guys, you know exactly what I'm going to say. The first three chapters of Ephesians, it, it just declares everything that God has done for you in Christ. I just love that phrase, everything that God has done for you in Christ. And, and, and the, the high point of that text, I would argue, is chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, which begins with the reality that you and I, that the church, before trusting in Jesus Christ, you and I as individuals and collectively, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Let me put it this way. You had nothing lovely in you whatsoever. You were rebellious. You followed the prince of the power of the air. You were led along in wicked deeds by wicked thoughts because you had wicked loves. That is who you were. That is who I was. And then you get that incredible phrase, but God. But God being rich in love because of the great mercy, or being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. And what did he do? He made you alive together with Christ. He raised you up with Christ. And he seated you with Christ in the heavenly places. By grace, you have been saved. This is the love that we find in Christ. This is the love that we have in mind when the text says that you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And so I want to begin by recognizing Christ loved the church even when the church did not love him. See, sometimes in different counseling appointments when I have, and we talk about a husband and wife coming together and we'll sit down. And oftentimes, the counseling session can quickly become like, I'm going to list out my laundry list of all my complaints against my wife. And I'm going to list out all my, my laundry list of all my complaints against my husband. And it can become very combative. But listen, this text does not say, husbands, love your, lives, love your wives when they earn it. This text does not say, husbands, love your wives when they're, when they're being a great wife. This text does not say, husbands, love your wives, we'll go back to the earlier text that we're going to handle next week, when they, are, when they are doing their role and they are submitting to you, when they are following your lead, when they are trusting you. This text gives no condition whatsoever. This text simply says that you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And Christ loved the church when the church did not love him. Christ loved you when you did not respect him. Christ loved you when you were not submissive to him. See, Christ, this is the picture. This is how Christ loves. And that love is seen in his sacrifice. See, we have to remember that Christ loved sacrificially. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And then it continues and it says, And gave himself up for her. Guys in this room, I want you to start to get a picture. This is what love looks like. Love looks like sacrifice. Love looks like selflessness. 
Love looks like you, when you go to your family, when you go to your wife, it's not you saying, what can I get out of this relationship? But rather, it's what can I pour into this relationship? In fact, this phrase, he gave himself up for, this phrase is part of our memory verse for the year. If you were here at the beginning of the year, we talked about Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Have you memorized it yet? It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I mean, let your mind be blown for a second. Verse 2 talks about how Christ gave us up for us, himself up for us, and it is in part of this great declaration that every single believer, you are to walk in love. Your manner of life, your moral compass, your general character, you are to live in love toward others. And then as we drill down to the specifics, it says, okay, now, husbands, let me tell you what that looks like. You model your love for your wife, based on Christ and his sacrificial love for his church. Let's just be practical here for a moment. What does it mean to love sacrificially, husband and wife? Well, let's, let's look at a few different areas. Guys, how do, you, how do you spend your time when you're at home? When you, when you come home, do you come home from a hard day of work and you say, okay, now it's my time? I'm going to go to my little corner. I'm going to go do my little thing. You realize that that, that my time, my corner, my thing, that's just revealing selfishness. When you come home, do you have have your eyes uh, zeroed in on being a sacrificial husband where you can walk in the door and you're here and you're here to care. You're here to look after whatever needs to be looked after. How about Finances. Guys in the room, do you, do you look after your finances and is it kind of like uh, this is the family stuff and then wh- whatever I want to do with the rest is what I do with the rest? Or are you looking for ways that you can use your finances to, to prop your family up? Maybe so it's financially healthy. <laughs> Maybe as you invest in your future and you invest in your kids and you invest in your spouse, this is what it looks like to live sacrificially. Your time and your money, those determine whether you're being sacrificial or not. Those determine if you're loving your wife like Christ loved the church. Are you using your time to invest in her and in your family? And are you using your money to invest in them and in your wife? That's, that's where it starts. That's where it starts. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ loved sacrificially. But I want to give you another characteristic of Christ's love. And if you remember the Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 message, this isn't going to surprise you. Secondly, Christ loved toward holiness. Verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This this text says that he, he loved her in a way that led toward her sanctification. 
Now, that's a big word, right? That's a, that's a $10 word for us to say. Sanctifica- sanctify what? Well, what is sanctification? Sanctification, simply put, is to be set, up, set apart or set, set aside as pure for God's purpose. Here's how Christ loved you. He said, I am going to take you out of the mire and the muck of your sinfulness and your selfishness, and I'm going to lift you up out of that, and I'm going to cleanse you with my blood. I am going to make it so you are without spot or blemish. This is what it looks like to be sanctified. This is what Christ has done for you. And husbands, this is the call that you have, I would argue, not just for your wife, but for your family. You are to love toward holiness toward purity. The goal is that you can present your wife holy and without blemish. What does this mean? That you need to find like some really good concealer for her? Like, I I wouldn't know where to start. Anybody else know? Like, you find like, uh, you know, wrinkle reduction cream. Is that what you go do? Like oil of Olay, is that still around? Like, what, what does it look like to present your wife without spot or blemish? It's talking about her soul. It's talking about leading your wife in a way that you are leading her away from sinfulness and toward the Savior. See, this, this reminds us, men, that you have a responsibility for your wife and you have a responsibility for your home to lead it toward holiness. This is a high calling. This is an honorable calling. This is a giant responsibility. This means, men, your wife, she's responsible for her own sin, but you, you have a role that is responsible for her as well. Let me ask you, throughout the week or on the weekend, what what would we find on your TV screen? Husbands, you are responsible for what comes into your house in terms of entertainment. Are you allowing vile television shows to be played in front of your wife, in front of your kids? I recognize this is hard. You have to be, you have to be on guard. Even the most subtle things have vile messaging. I mean, rewind 30 years ago. If they were to tell me that there is a subscription service from Disney for my kids, I'd be like, oh, that sounds great. Now, every show that comes on, I have to make sure that I read the reviews and I know what it's going to be because they're messaging my kids and they're messaging my family. And I am responsible for presenting my wife and my family holy and without blemish. Men in the room, this is your job, not your wife's. This is your calling. This is, this is listen, I want you to picture, this is how you guard your family. I know most of the men in the room, if, if there were to be someone who would break into your house trying to do your family damage, I know without a doubt most of you would be at the very front fighting tooth and nail to protect them. But are you doing the same with what comes in on the screen? How, how about not the TV, but how about the computer? Do you know what comes into your house through the computer screen? How about not the computer screen? How about your children's phones? Are are we allowing our family to have a culture where we're just letting anything goes on our screen? Do you use filters? Do you have parental control? Do you monitor what is on their screens? I'm I'm telling you, the world we live in, you have to do every one of those things. Or or how about this? Do you, as, as husbands, do you just allow a culture in your household where it's just a, you know what, constant just scrolling of social media? 
And I'm not like down with social media, but I, I, I've seen the studies. The more time you spend on social media, the less satisfied you are with your own life. The more time you spend, they even have a term for it, right? Doom scrolling. Now, now listen, ladies in the room, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility for your own soul, but, but men in the room, husbands in the room, some of us need to have some conversations about the kind of ways we use our screens. The amount of time that we allow on screens. See, see I am convinced that our screen use is not, generally speaking, leading us toward presenting our families spotless, holy, and without blemish. It says that, that we are to do this by the washing of water and the word. This is how Christ does it with the church. And husbands, you were to follow in Christ's lead. And so you were to have this, this idea of washing of water with the word. What, is, what does this mean? Do you just like make sure everyone's clean and sanitary? Do you, do you like hold nightly baptisms? Okay, we're going to baptize again tonight. Right? We're going to make sure we wash with water. No, the, the focus here is on the word. The idea is that men in the room, husbands in the room, as you lead your wives and as you lead your families, you are to lead with the word of God. I heard a study this week that families that where the kids grow up and the dad goes to church, when those kids grow up, two-thirds to three-fourths of them go to church. So families where, where mom is the one leading and going to church, when those kids grow up, a quarter of them go to church. This is why Satan hates husbands and fathers. This is why he wants to emasculate you. This is why he wants you to picture yourself as weak. This is why he wants you to think that it's not your job to lead. This is why he wants you cowering in fear, afraid to open the Bible or afraid to say, you know, hell or high water, we're going to church. He hates you. He wants to weaken you because he sees the army that could be his that you tuck in every single night. Practically speaking, how do we help our families become sanctified? How do we help our wives become sanctified? I want you to think about input. Cut out all of the evil input that you can. Cancel the subscriptions if you have to. Add the, the filters and add the blockers. Men in the room, it is your job to monitor the input that your family receives. But it's not just keep out the bad. It's also to pour in the good input. Now, listen, guys in the room, I know sometimes it's a little scary. But, but here's what it looks like to bring the good input in. After dinner, before everyone gets up and goes their different directions or whatever your tradition is, for dad to grab the Bible and say, okay, guys, Here's, here's Valley Bible reading plan. Here's our New Testament chapter for the day. Did you guys read it already? Oh, you haven't read it already? Let me, let me read it for you. Maybe everyone's already read it on their own. Maybe it's a busy family. You're out the door. You're, you're doing it on your own. You come together. Okay, guys, we read this chapter today. What'd you guys think about it today? Maybe here's what it looks like. Maybe you say, Mike, I'm not sure I can even read with my family yet. I'm not quite there yet. This is why we have the Ancient Ways for Modern Days podcast and video. 
That, 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 there's a tool that five days a week we publish. It's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. It's every you want to look for it. I know families that their devotion time is after dinner. They, uh, they grab someone's phone and they find the podcast and they play it for the day. It's five to 10 minutes. And then here's what dad does. This is, this is, not, this is not hard. This is something every dad can do. Hey, son, what'd you think about that? Hey, honey, what stood out to you there? And then you simply say, okay, we've interacted with the Bible. How can I pray for you guys? And then dad, you just pray for your family. It might be scary, but I'm looking around and I'm trying to recognize and see if I know everyone in this room and I think I know most everyone. And I, Men in this room, husbands in this room, I have no doubt that every single one of you guys can nail that. You can do that. You can lead your family spiritually. Not just can you, but you must. This is your call. And this call is an honor. God honors husbands. The text also talks about not just being sanctified. It says in verse 27, it says, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. I love this picture. You realize this picture of Christ presenting the church to himself in splendor is Christ in his sanctifying work in you. There's going to be a day when Christ holds you up. We looked at this in, in chapter two and Christ says, look at, look at, look at, look at Mike. Look, he used to be a wretched sinner, and you know how I saved him, and I cared for him, and I washed him, and I cleansed him, and I made him mine? This is the same kind of attitude that husbands are to have with their wives. Now, husbands, don't hold your wife up and be like, look, I saved her. <laughs> don't hold your wife up and like, look, she was a wretched sinner, and look what I did to fix her. <laughs> don't, don't do that, right? But here's what it looks like, husbands. It looks like you recognizing the beauty of your wife and being thankful for her and being proud of her, being excited to have her around her. Paul writes in, to the Corinthians, he says that the wife is the glory of a husband. That this means that, that husbands, you give special attention to your wife. If you're in a group of people and, and you and your wife are both there, this is, how do you talk about her? Do you talk her up? Do you, do you speak about her in ways that build her up in others, in others' mind and others' ears? This is, this is being, in a, in a good way, proud. I want to say the word is glory. This is recognizing how special your wife is and not being afraid to, to, to dote on her, not being afraid to be like, she's amazing. This is how Christ treats the church. Husbands in this room, I just want to give you permission. I want to give you just straight up permission. Don't be afraid to be thankful publicly for your wife let her be your glory. This is what the scripture says she is anyway. Be thankful for her. See, Christ loved, he loved sacrificially, and Christ loved toward holiness. This is how Christ loved, and the scripture says as plain as day, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. But this text, it describes a second way that husbands are to love their wives. The second way is that you love your wife as you love yourself. And this might seem kind of weird in our culture. We must love yourself like you just be meant to be selfish. Well, let's read the text and let's explain it. Verse 28, and I'm going to read through verse 33. Here's what it says. It says, in the same way, the same way that Christ loved the, the church, church, the husbands love their wives that way. This is in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife 
loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are all members of his body. Verse 31, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, this text, it says, it says that husbands are to love their wives as they love themselves. Now, I want you to understand, this is, this is an idea of self-care, but this is self-care that is not selfishness. I mean, think about the way he describes it. The wise person, what do they do? They nourish their body. If you hate yourself, you will eat junk food all day long, right? But if you love yourself, you're going to eat healthy food. If you love yourself, you're going to work out regularly. Why? Because, well, you feel like you hate yourself in the moment, right? But, but you build health. You're, you're caring for what God has given you. And this says that no one ever hates their body. Now, people do from time to time. If they do, there's something wrong. That's not the ideal. The point is that the, the wise person, they love their body. They care for their body. They take care of themselves. And so in the same exact way, a wise husband, he's not just going to make sure he takes care of his own body. He's going to make sure he he cares for his wife. The, the, text, the text means here that, that we are to, first of all, focus on her needs. Focus on her needs. Verse 29 says, no one ever hates his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. This is, this is the person that says, you know what? What do I need as a body? I'm, I'm feeling like I haven't eaten all day. I need, I need something healthy in my life. I'm feeling maybe that I'm, I'm feeling a little weak. Maybe I need to go to the gym. Maybe I need to get some cardio going. I, I want my heart to be healthy. I want my lungs to be healthy. What does my body need? And I'm going to give my body whatever it is it needs. Well, you take that same idea, and instead of saying, what does my body need? You say, what does my, what does my wife need? I am going to make sure that whatever it is my wife needs, I am going to provide that for her. See, see, caring for your wife here, it's just, it's wisdom. Caring for your wife is saying, I am going to do whatever it takes to make sure she has everything she needs to be the woman of God that she has been called to be. Now, some people, they say, uh, uh, happy wife, happy life. That's kind of the idea here. But remember what her needs are. Remember what her needs are. According to the previous text, her needs are holiness. She needs you. Not that she can't be holy on her own. Not that she can't figure out life on her own. I guarantee she can. But she needs you to be the leader, to be the, the one guiding your family that you've been called to be. What does she need? She needs you to lead in Bible. She needs you to lead in getting to church. She needs you to lead in prayer. What does she need? She needs you to lead in making, you know, if you guys have financial decisions going on, she needs you to not be passive or, or just take the back seat. She needs your voice. She needs your guidance. She needs you to work together with her. This is what she needs. And a husband who loves his own body is the husband that will love his wife. He'll say, what is it my wife needs? And I am going to meet those needs. Verse 
Now, sometimes these needs are under, hard to understand. In fact, my next point here is not just to focus on our needs, but here, here it is. Focus on being understanding. I, I would argue this is, besides you leading spiritually, this is the greatest need your wife has, even if she's unable to express this is her need. Focus on being understanding. Let me, let me walk you over to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says this. It says, likewise. Before this, it talks about wives. We might talk about that next week. But it says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, I want you to understand this text. This is, this is an incredible text. It says that husbands are to live with their wives in an understanding way. But notice what it does not say. I love making this distinction. This does not say husbands understand your wives. God doesn't ask the impossible. There is a great difference between understanding your wife and living with her in an understanding way. There is a great difference from those moments when your wife, the text says, the text says your, your, your wife is the weaker vessel. What does this mean? Well, there, there's debate over it. It obviously means that physically she's the weaker vessel. Just 99% of all, if you take the average of men and women, 99% of men are going to be stronger than women. That's just the way we're designed. It, it's biology. Trust the science. but emotionally as well. I don't want to pull your household, but I'm guessing that wives on average cry a hundred times more than men in this room. God designed wives with this incredible heart. God designed women to, to be emotional in a different way than men. I'm not saying that men are not, but, but it's very different. And I, I know through counseling I know how often there are these moments when all the wife needs is to be able to cry and be held. She doesn't need you to fix it. She doesn't need you to offer the solution. That might come down the road, but there are moments when you are just sitting there holding her and you're like, Lord, I do not understand, but I'm trying to be understanding. That's exactly what this is talking about. This is saying to focus on caring for her needs, which is to be understanding, not to understand. You won't. Just like she can't understand you. You're different. Praise God. God created man and woman for a reason, to be the perfect complement, not to be the same. Doesn't mean one's better than the other. It doesn't mean one's superior and one's inferior. It means that you're a complement. And so men, husbands, focus on her needs and then focus on being understanding. Focus on being caring. I'll give you some opposite examples. Why can't you just suck it up? Don't say that. That won't help. Pull yourself together, lady. Again, not helpful unless you want a black eye, right? Like th those kind of phrases... Are you operating as a man instead of you being understanding? Uh, be understanding. Be understanding. 
Focus on our needs. Focus on being understanding. I want you to notice that this text. It says that she is an heir with you in the grace of life. You, you have no more claim to salvation because you're a man than she does because she's a woman. That's, that's very clear. You, you, we both have equal access to God through Christ. But then look at this warning. Guys, I, 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 need you to, I need you to hear this warning. The text says to live with your wives in an understanding way, and then it ends, it says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. See, see the, the selfish husband, the self-focused husband, the husband that wants things his way and is not gentle with his wife, is not paying attention to her needs, is not being understanding toward her. Listen, this is what God says in his word that he does when you pray. He won't listen to you. You might even be praying for your wife. He's not going to listen to you. God, please fix our marriage. No, I'm not going to listen to you. You've been given clear instruction. You know exactly what I've said in my word. You are to be understanding with her. Not a bully. Not domineering. Not my way or the highway. Not forceful. Not easy, quick solutions. Sit. Listen. Hold her. Pray for her lest your prayers not be hindered. Focused on her needs. Focus on being understanding. And then finally, focus on being one. Focus on being one. Verse 31 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is talking about the intimacy, the, the physical intimacy of marriage, the marriage union that binds a husband and wife together, not just in a physical way, but in this, this, this mysterical or mysterious spiritual way where husband and wife, they become one. Now listen, if you in fact are one, as you are, as the scripture says, then meeting her needs is meeting your needs then being understanding of her is actually the wisest thing you can do for your marriage and for yourself. This is the picture. This is the picture. Now, guys, I, I don't know where most of the relationships are in this room, but I want to say something. Sometimes, sometimes guys come in and, and family, husbands and wives come in and they're like, we, the guy wants counseling, the, the wife wants counseling, but listen, it has been years and years, and the clock has been ticking all of those years. And by the time they're sitting in front of me, there is nothing I can do for them. They've refused to be understanding. They've refused to care for her needs. They've been so self-focused for so long that the hurt runs so deep that they, in fact, have already broken their covenant of marriage by not providing for what their wife, what the, what the Scripture calls them to, that, that there's unless a supernatural work of the Spirit does something. The ship has sailed. I, I hope that's not the case for anyone in this room right now, but listen, if you sense your marriage is starting to walk down that path, if you sense, oh, I have not been understanding, I have not been caring for her needs, I have been really self-focused, if, if you know that you and your spouse are miles apart relationally right now, don't wait any longer. Uh, find a mature Christian who can walk with you in the path of restoration. 
Find a mature brother who will whack you upside the head when you need it and call you to live with your wife the way the scripture calls you to. See, you are one. Don't waste your time trying to be two. Well, we've seen so far in our text, we've seen that we are to, husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church. We've seen that husbands are to love their wives as they love themselves. But, but let's end with this. You are to love because marriage is a picture of the gospel. Look at verses 32 and 33. It says, this mystery is profound, husband and wife being one together. But he says, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. To Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This, this incredible description of what marriage is meant to look like, written by Paul, at the very end, Paul says, hey, Jesus juked you. I'm actually not really talking about marriage. I'm talking about Jesus and his church. See, his point here is that a husband's sacrificial love shows Christ's sacrificial love for the church. A husband, when he loves his wife as Christ loves the church, he's basically, he's proclaiming, look at who Christ is and look at what he's done. This is why you're called to do that, men. This means that that guys in the room, one of the greatest gifts you can give to your family, let your kids, let your family, let your friends, let everyone see that you love your wife. (laughs) Don't be afraid to show you love your wife. Don't be afraid to give her the biggest hug ever in front of your kids and, and make sure that they know that you care for her. Be affectionate. Meet her needs. Do it in a way that is obvious to everyone around. See, a husband's sacrificial love shows Christ and his sacrificial love for the church. But, but then secondly, and we're going to talk more about this next week, a wife's submissive respect shows the church's submissive respect for Christ. This is on the slides if you want to follow along unless it's frozen, which maybe that's the case. But but this is what we're going to look at next week. Husbands, you you have a high call. Wives, you have a high call. This isn't one person does all the hard work and the other person does all the easy work. This is both are called to this. Now let me end with some application. I have four places of application that I want to land with. First of all, husbands. I'm going to speak to husbands, wives, single and young men, and then single and young ladies. First of all, husbands, love your wives sacrificially. Maybe even right now in the quietness of your heart, say, Lord, I'm in. Say, Lord, I I know I've not been doing it right. I am in from this moment forward. Do not wait. Maybe some of you men in this room on the ride home or maybe after the kids are tucked in in bed, you need to go up to your wife and you need to say, honey, If there's things that I have done that have not been loving, I'm sorry. I want to be the right kind of husband. I want to care for you. Can we hit the reset button? Maybe some of us need to look at our wives in the eyes and say, will you forgive me? Because I have not been loving you the way Christ loves the church. Husbands, love your wives sacrificially. Secondly, wives, ladies, I want to challenge you to aim at loveliness. And I know I'm tipping my hat a little bit for next week, but here's the deal. Wives in this room, you can make your husband's job very, very easy. Or you can make your husband's job very, very hard. If you aim yourself at being the loveliest woman in his life, 
If you honor and respect him like we're going to talk about next week, if you care for his needs like he cares for yours, guess what? You are going to make his job a cakewalk. This really is the vision for marriage. If husbands are looking after their wives' needs and wives are looking after their husbands' needs, I'm, guess, I'm telling you, that is the equation for an incredible marriage. And so wives, aim at loveliness. Make his job easy. Now, there's a lot of single people in this room, and I want to speak to you as well. I want to speak to the men first, young or single men. Here's my call to you tonight. I want you to begin by practicing sacrificial love. Every young guy in this room or single guys, listen, you, first of all, you have moms. So start by loving your mom sacrificially. Look for ways to care for her and meet her needs. Guys in this room, if you have sisters, that is the perfect practice ground because sisters are probably hard to live with sometimes. We, we had four boys in our household because my parents wanted a girl. <laughs> we didn't get one. But guys, if you have a sister, this is your chance. Love her sacrificially. But maybe you don't have a sister. Look around at all the young ladies in our church. I know you high school guys, it's easy to pick on them and to be kind of confrontational or goofy. What if every guy in this church, every young man, they decided they were going to start treating every young woman with the kind of love that this calls for? I'm not talking about romance. I'm just talking about meeting their needs and serving them and lifting them up and caring for them. I'm telling you what, you will be prepared to be an incredible husband. And then finally, single and young ladies. Here's my call to you. Look for Christ-likeness. Don't lower your bar. D don't fall in love with the first guy that's kind of nice for you. No, look for Christ-likeness. Look for men who you can respect and who you can honor. Look for men who are striving to meet the needs of others. Look for men who serve instead of are selfish. This will save you from so much heartache. And with that said, let me pray for us all. Father, we love your word. God, I thank you that you love and you honor husbands, that you have placed a high call upon us. And Father, I pray that the hearts and the, the minds of the men in this room, that they would sense this call and they would rise up, that they would answer the call to lead and to love, and that they would do that as your spirit fills them, that fills their sails and blows them forward to be godly men. Father, I pray for those who have repentance that they need to act upon. I pray that you would give them the courage to repent and I pray that you would give their wives soft, forgiving hearts. Father, I pray for those who need to filter the input for their household, who need to change some habits and some ways they approach holiness. I pray that you would give them every resource they need so that they can not only walk in holiness themselves, but lead their wives and families in holiness. Father, I pray that you would help us be a church, Valley Christian Fellowship, that builds strong families. And then we recognize that so much of this starts with godly husbands. We pray you would bless them. We pray that you would inspire them. We pray you would provide men around them so they would not be alone. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.